It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. Mark Giannone, as always, joining me from way down in the nation's capital, from Phileas Flyer, Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on, my friend? Not much. It's a, it's a week without the Flyers, and it's a cold week without the Flyers. It's I know in Philly it's probably cold. It's like 10 degrees here in D.C., yep. so... Yeah. I'm just, you know, we're. I'm going to be building a fire later tonight. I'm going to try not to burn the house down. So this you could know. be the last time our listeners hear me on the show, depending on what happens later tonight. Well, if you burn the house down and yourself goes down with it, maybe our guest today can step in your place for the foreseeable future. Because we have the prospect guru from The Athletic, uh, Mr. Alex Appleyard from way out in Europe. Alex, how's the weather out where you are? Um, not quite as bad as your weather. We've had a bit of snow, but it's uh, a bit warmer. <laughs> well, good for you. It's 10 degrees here, so that's what we're dealing with. All right, so <laughs> we are on the All-Star break now for the NHL. The Flyers went into the break with a three-game winning streak. That is the biggest news from the month for the Flyers, that they have a three-game winning streak. Uh, we already saw them have an eight-game losing streak. They've played better as of late, so before we get into the prospects and everything like that, I guess we have to give this, you know, we have to touch on how they've been playing to this point, how they went from a team that was supposed to take the next step this season to where they are now at the unofficial halfway point of the season. So, um, I mean, you guys, but just to kind of touch on your list, you guys both have Carter Hart as number one on your list. Carter Hart is with the Flyers now. He's playing well. Um, he's probably a big reason why they're on this three-game winning streak. So, I mean, Dan, we'll start with you, then we can go to Alex. Kind of just give your feelings to the fly of the Flyers to this point in the season. Yeah. So not only is this the Flyers' first, uh, not only have the Flyers won three in a row, but it's the first time all season that they've actually won three in a row in regulation. Because the only other time they won three in a row, one of them was a an overtime win, and they've won four out of five. And uh, I think that almost all of it can be directly attributed to the Carter Hart impact on this team. And we've seen many articles written this year just about how when you've got a goaltender who's, you know, we had Cal Pickard who basically every shot towards the net was scary. And you've got Neuwirth and who played a couple of good games and Elliott's been injured. And, you know, this is Carter Hart was the seventh goaltender who's started a game for the Flyers this season. And he's been phenomenal. Uh, as one of my favorite Flyers writers, Charlie O'Connor, who works for The Athletic and works with uh, with Alex, uh, one of his recent articles, he was pointing out that you could actually argue that the Flyers were playing better hockey as a team during some of their long losing streaks this season. But the fact that they are getting this goaltending from Carter Hart is, it, you know, is is just really raising up the team's performance. And you see games like, the Montreal game where the Flyers are outshot something like 11 to one in the first period. And it's zero zero because Hart's just stopping everything that comes his way. And he's playing phenomenally. And, you know, I think that his, uh, you know, his save percentage 
is uh, 918 on the season, which is far and away better than any of the goalies that the other goalies that the Flyers have had. I mean, Cal Pickers' save percentage was 863. So Carter Hart is not only stopping the shots that he's supposed to stop, but he's also stopping a lot of the shots that uh, some goalies might not make the saves on. And it's just, it makes it, it makes a huge difference on the mentality of a team. You can play a lot looser when you know that the guy who's got your back is, is likely going to make a big stop if needed. So to me, Carter Hart has made almost all the difference. There's a lot of other, you know, little things. I mean, Nolan Patrick's really come on of late. Um, But, Carter Hart right now is the story for for this team, and there's probably still too far out of it to make a playoff run. But you know, there uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot more wins from this team in the second half. Which, by the way, some fans are probably upset about because they yep. want to try and uh, tank for uh, you know Jack Hughes. But um, lose for Hughes. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, lose for Hughes. I think people are going to have to get used to the fact that this team's probably going to finish between you know the sixth and tenth worst drafters in the league. Yeah. Alex, how have you read this season so far to this point? Well, I think um, one of the most interesting statistics I've pretty much seen was before Carter Hart um, came up, the Flyers had, I think, the worst team save percentage since the eight and uh, the 98-99 Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think that's really part of the story of the season and the reason why they are in the race for Jack Hughes right now. I think the team defense to start the season was okay, fine. Um, I mean, last year they were top 10 in the league and in terms of least goals allowed at 5v5 and this season the underlying statistics were the same but obviously Cal Picard and uh, Michael Neuvert especially those two um, just, just didn't play very well at all and I think dragged the results of the team down um, Elliot was good but he was injured so I think since Hartz came into the fold it's kind of allowed the team to just keep you know playing an okay hockey and win games as opposed to losing them at times badly as they were before yeah, I mean, he's definitely come on and stabilized the team from a, a lot of perspectives. You know, just thinking in terms of a forward or defenseman, you can play a lot more freely and be a lot more calm knowing that the guy that's the last line of defense for your team is a capable body, somebody that you could depend on and somebody that they trust. And I'm not, you know, I'm not in their heads. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not saying they don't trust Elliot or Neuberth, but given the play of those guys and some of the goals they've given up this year, um, you know, it's hard when you're a when you're a player. You you know that's in the back of your head. You're thinking like, all right, I can't make this. If you're a defenseman, I can't you know try to pinch. I can't step up in the play because I have to be back because we can't afford an odd man rush. Because I don't know if the guy's going to make the save or not. So I think Carter Hart has definitely stabilized them from that perspective. He's definitely given the rest of the team some confidence, and they're starting to show. Um, but I, I, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks that this team to me is just kind of dead in the water here. I don't see them making the playoffs. You know, they, can they play better down in the second half? Yeah, they can. And they probably will. They can't play much worse. So, you know, it'll be, I think it's going to be one of the, it's another one of those seasons where they'll hover around, you know, that second wild card spot if they improve in the second half, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's just going to be, it's not going to be enough. And the, the fans out there that want the, that are on this lose for Hughes bandwagon, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think they're going to lose enough games to uh, get that first overall pick. But you never know, because it's all a percentage game. And, you know, we've seen the Flyers jump from 12 to 2. So I guess anything's possible. But 
going you know more in depth with the second half of the season the big a big talking point that is making the rounds is of course the trade deadline Jake Borchek's name gets kicked around obviously Wayne Simmons is probably the biggest name getting kicked around um I guess to me Simmons a, a trade with Sim, a trading Simmons seems likely for the Flyers just because I you know he's what are you going to do with him he's a 30 year old player who hasn't he's not having the greatest season coming off of a injury plague season and are you really going to give him the money that he's probably going to get in free agency I mean you saw what Tom Wilson got last offseason I have no reason to think that Wayne Simmons won't get somewhere in that neighborhood I don't know if I'd want to give him that contract or anything close to it Alex I don't know where do you stand on Wayne Simmons do you think he stays through the rest of the season or and or do you think the Flyers try to bring him back in the offseason I mean, from my perspective, I think it makes the most sense to trade him. Um, he's going to demand quite a big contract, probably multiple years, three, four years at minimum. And he's earned that. I mean, even this season, you know, he still could easily hit 25-plus goals. And uh, he still has a lot of value around the league. I think you would get a first-round pick plus for him. And going forward now, he's at best going to be the third-best right wing on the Flyers because they have Voracek and Konechny ahead of him. And we saw last season Nolan Patrick was very capable on the power play, and we have James Van Riemsdyk now as well. So I think he's, he could be way more valuable to another team than the Flyers as well. Yeah, Dan, do you think that Jake Borachek has any trade value? Yeah, I mean, of course Borachek has trade value. The, the The problem is, as is a lot with a lot of these players in the Borachek vein, is is the salary you're talking about. I mean, right. Jake Borachek is is. Including this season, he signed for six more seasons at eight point two five million per. And what he's twenty nine years old, so you're it's it's you've got to find either a team that's got a similar player under a similar contract that maybe wants to make a move, you know, or maybe he's, you're hoping that maybe he he's a guy you can expose in the expansion draft whenever that happens. But that's a that's a ways down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I mean Vorchek's a guy the Flyers fans love to say, "Hey, let's let's get rid of him. He's uh, looks like he's you know lazy and he's creating a lot of turnovers." Um, and uh, you know it's easier said than done. I mean, one of the debates on Twitter the last few days has been, "Hey, would you trade Morgan Frost for um, Tyler, Sagan. Tyler Sagan?" And and uh, you know I, along with the other people that wouldn't do that, took a lot of heat. But you just have to look at the how everything kind of impacts. A team, and so that's what other teams are going to be looking at. Could they? I'm sure that they could find a team to take Jake Voracek, but it's just it's not as easy as it sounds making the money work. I mean, a lot of teams right now don't even have that much money to spend underneath the salary cap, so we'd have to take something back. But mm-hmm. you know, the interesting thing about Simmons is, uh, and I, I've seen some stories that. Chuck Fletcher has basically said, what happened with the Islanders and John Tavares is not going to happen to me here. Either I'm going to sign him to an extension before the trade deadline, or I'm going to trade him. So it sounds like we're going to have some news about Simmons in the next month. I just, and you, you, there was an article on Hockey Buzz, you know, Eklund, who you can believe about 10% of the stuff he puts out there, said that the Flyers' core is really pushing to try and get them to retain Simmons, which I could totally see. I mean, you're a player in that locker room. 
you respect a guy. I'm sure that guys like Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and Sean Couturier would like Wayne Simmons to stay with this team. But Chuck Fletcher's job isn't to necessarily kowtow to what the players want. And when you look at some of the prospects that we're going to talk about and you look at some of the, this, the forwards that um, – you know, that are going to be coming up. And you talk about Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee and Isaac Ratcliffe. It just becomes a, a simple numbers game. And so, you know, you've already got Giroux, Voracek, Van Riemsdyk, Couturier, Patrick, Lindblom, Konechny, Frost, Farabee, Ratcliffe, who are going to be up with the team in the next few years. And it's like, does it really make, can you really make a case that signing Wayne Simmons for $6 million a year is going to benefit this team when you're going to have guys on entry level contracts that that you know could be just as effective in a few years if not more so you know that's that's why i think ultimately Wayne Simmons is going to get traded i think but it's not again it's no easy decisions because he is very popular in that locker room yeah i mean look the flyers have a lot of money to play with this offseason we've talked about that um you know would you do you want to spend 6 million dollars on a guy like Wayne Simmons or see what else is out there. I think at this point it probably does the Flyers some justice to go out there and, you know, explore other avenues. And you're absolutely right with the players coming up with cheaper deals. You know, it it gives the Flyers a chance to get some new blood and uh, some new life into this team. So I think it just, you know, we're all in agreement here. I think it just makes sense to walk away from Wayne Simmons. It's going to hurt, you know, the people that, fall in love with players and you know grow an attachment to them it's going to suck for them but you know in the long run I think it'll benefit the Flyers so that's the first half uh, of the season a little bit of the second half let's talk about the future now because you guys are both two very good prospect analysts when it comes to the Flyers Um, and I have in front of me as I'm sure you guys do both of your top 20 prospect list lists and we also have charlie o'connor's in here as well and surprise surprise the unanimous first guy on all of your lists is carter hart dan i'll go over yours first your top four and then i'll go over alex's and we'll just kind of compare even though they are exactly the same just a couple guys flip-flop not exactly but a little different order but yeah yeah carter so dan you have carter hart philip myers um, Morgan Frost, Joel Farabee, Alex has Carter Hart, Morgan Frost, Philip Myers, Joel Farabee. So the top four is pretty much, it is what it is. I mean, everybody across the board will say that those are pretty much the top four guys. Where it gets dicey, Dan, and I saw you, um, I saw some people interacting with you, you know, over the last week and a half or so uh, on Twitter about your fifth selection, and that's Igor Zamula. And a lot of people on Twitter wanted us to talk about him in particular because there is such a great um, difference in positioning on the list. So, Dan, you have him fifth. Alex, you have him at 18. And Charlie O'Connor has him at 15. So, Alex, I'll go to you first. Um, So... When you look at a guy like Zamula, who ha- who impressed uh, a good bit in the offseason and in trading camp, um, you know you have him fairly low on the list. So what what do you think in your mind? What has Igor Zamula so low on your list of prospects? Well, first of all, I should say that you know I, I do like him as a prospect, and I think in a redraft of last year, right now, you'd be looking at a guy who goes in the second round. 
Well, the reason I have him so low is simply because of um, where he is right now and where I consider his upside. Personally, when I look at his game, he's a really good skater, a big body, even though he doesn't have that big a frame. Um, but I don't really see more than a good number four defenseman down the line from him in the NHL. I really hope I'm wrong. I'd love to be proved wrong on that. And he was better. Um, but when he plays at 5v5, look, he's a very good positional defenseman. And I think he's not going to have much trouble if he puts on some weight being good defensively in the NHL. But from my perspective, in terms of his offensive upside at 5v5, um, he's a fantastic power play defenseman. And that's where he's had so much success this season. At 5v5, um, he's even though he's a good skater, I, I would like to see him rush up ice more with the puck, um, affect more uh, clean zone entries, etc. And be more confident in kind of getting into the offensive zone and more dynamic once he's there. Um, so I think for me, it's difficult to see him coming to the NHL and scoring more than, say, you know, Radko Gudash level scoring, even though he's a fantastic power play defenseman, simply because um, it might be difficult for him to get on a power play unit. And if you're not on a power play unit, it's difficult if you're not immensely gifted offensively to get more than that kind of 25 points in the NHL. So that's for me, even though I really like him as a prospect and I would love him to prove me wrong. Uh, that's why I had him so low. Dan, why do you have him at five? I, th- I mean, I, I love Alex. I have a great amount of respect for him. I, I couldn't believe how low him and Charlie had Zambula. And, I mean, look, we're talking about a kid who's 18 years old, right? He's just developing. He's 6'3", and he weighs about 165 soaking wet. So we know that Zamula is going to be putting on a lot of weight. Here's the thing about Zamula. He's got – he went scoreless in his first eight games. And since then, he's been one of the best offensive defensemen in the WHL. If you look at all of the players under the age of 19 in the WHL, he's fourth among all of them in points. The guy who's first is Ty Smith, who's a 5'10 defenseman who was drafted in the first round. The guy guy who's second is Kalen Addison, who's a 5'11 defenseman who was taken in the second round. Third is Byron Byram, who's going to be a top 10 pick in the the upcoming draft. And Zamula's fourth. The guy who's fifth is Jet Wu, who's another, uh, I believe, smallish defenseman who was taken in the second round of the draft. He's six foot. So... Zamula's production is on par with guys who are uh, have much less of a physical frame than he does, and were taken in either the first or second round of the NHL draft. And so, and I've seen Zamula play, and he's very talented. I mean, I've seen him create some breakouts from the defensive zone where he will, you know, make moves around one or two guys and put a good outlet pass on someone's tape. He's downright dynamic in the offensive zone. I mean, he made a play in the WHL this year that I haven't seen Radko Gudis ever make in terms of stick handling and, and firing a wrist shot top shelf. So personally, what the question I would ask Alex is, as, as Alex said, he's been producing like a second round NHL pick. But he's got four or five inches on these guys who are taken in the first or second round. So truthfully, Alex, if the Flyers had drafted Zamula in the second round, would you still have had him 18th on your list? I think he would probably be around there right now simply because of the other prospects the Flyers have. And for me, it comes down to I see him as having similar kind of upside as guys like Friedman and Hugby and Moran, if he can get fit, have. 
Because I think all of those guys, I like them as prospects, but I don't think they really have much more than that number four upside. But I think they are closer to the NHL right now. Um, and less can go wrong, um, well, apart from with Moran if he doesn't recover from his injury. So that would why how I, how I would justify that. That and the, the fact that even though I would consider him as a second-round kind of talent, you know, most second-round NHL defensemen um, taken in the draft, you know, if they become a number four defenseman, that's pretty good. There are just not that many guys who are capable of playing on a top pair in the NHL. And um, while I hope he manages to do that, um, I struggle to see it right now. So that's fair. So I, you know, I, Philippe Myers was a guy that the Flyers wasn't drafted. And uh, the Flyers signed. And he had a huge 18-year-old draft plus one season in the Canadian juniors. And I see... Yegor Zambula doing a lot of the same things. He has more filling out to do than Myers did at that age. But I just see so much upside and projectability with Zamula that I, I, I that I could. There's no way I could put him lower on the list than a Mark Friedman or a or a Sam Maria. But you know, this is the fun part of of projecting is that you know we're we're all going to be wrong about things. We're all going to be right about things. But uh, it's 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 very fun to discuss. So I'm I'm saying I think the Big E is going to uh, you know his his prospect status is going to keep keep growing. But I think he's going to be yeah. Now yeah, uh, well, I'm just looking at the list here, um, and it's it's incredible how like you you know you three guys you obviously you know talk a little bit, but you know you guys aren't around each other every day and stuff like that. It's just it's incredible to me how like your lists are so similar in a lot of ways um like one one name that stands out to me that we're going to get to is um isaac ratcliffe you guys both have him at six and charlie has him at five but one name that is missing dan from your top 10 uh that the other two have in their top 10 uh alex has him five and Charlie has him six, and that's Wade Allison. So, Dan, what what is it about Wade Allison that has him so low on your list compared to the other two? Well, you know, to uh, to kind of take what Alex was saying, I mean, there's a lot of really good prospects in the Flyers system, and I feel like Wade Allison, he's a he's a power forward playing for Western Michigan. Uh, he what he brings to the game is he he's he's a big body who who is tough to play against. And he's got a very good shot. He had a extremely good sophomore season. He was actually one of the uh, leading point per game getters among sophomores in college last season. Before he had his uh, bad knee injury, which required season-ending surgery, he just came back from the knee injury and then injured his upper body. I think he fell awkwardly on his arm, and he hasn't played since then. So he's a guy who's a junior in college. And he's having a, a really tough season. And obviously a lot of it's due to the, the injury that he's coming back from. I think he's only played in eight games. He's got a couple of goals, a couple of assists. I still think that his, he's got a, a hot, you know, some high projectability. But for me, he's a guy that I've never seen him play on an international stage, right? He, he was never selected for the, for the World Junior Championship. So I have not had a chance to see him play uh, against his peers on that level, which I think is always a good, a good tournament to kind of get a sense of how guys fit in. So in my, you know, limited viewings of him at Western Michigan, he's been good, but I'm not sure that he's got the, 
explosiveness to become the goal scorer that he's going to need to if he's going to have a highly successful NHL career. Uh, he's he's got a, a very heavy shot, but I just I haven't seen enough from him to rate him over guys like Rube Sob or a, like a like a Jay O'Brien who I've seen been explosive in international tournament play at least in the in the World Junior Summer Showcase this past summer and he played made some nice plays in the, in the World Juniors uh, that recently concluded. I just think a guy like Jay O'Brien's got a lot more upside than, than Wade Allison. And so I've just, I've never seen Wade Allison as like a top five prospect. And Alex has got him rated more, uh, rated fifth with Ratcliffe six. So my, you know, my question to, to Alex would be, I mean, I, Ratcliffe's a guy who's terrorizing the OHL right now. He's top five in goals. Um, he's just he's exploded over the last few weeks or so, but he's a guy who I see more as a projectable NHL second line goal scorer, and I just I'm not I just haven't seen that yet from Wade Allison. Well, for me, I think I would say first of all that I think Allison, Ratcliffe, and Rupsov all have pretty similar upside. I see them as second line wingers um, who maybe be able to play on a third on a first line as the third wheel if. Um, the fit was right. I think all of them could probably score about 50 points in the NHL. Well, that's about it, in my opinion. And for me, I think what Allison did last season in the NCAA, given the team he was on, etc., was more impressive than what Ratcliffe's doing this season. Uh, I think Ratcliffe does have better physical tools. Uh, but for me, Allison's season last year showed me that he was really not very far from the NHL uh, to play at that level against that competition. And while, yeah, he's a solid skater, if not an excellent skater, um, but he's got a great shot and he loves being around the net and around the boards. And for me, Ratcliffe is a, also a good prospect. I mean, they, for me, they both have similar upside. Um, but Ratcliffe still has uh, quite a bit of developing to do. And I'd love him to become a 50-point forward. But at times, there's moments when I think I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to be able to reach that. And that's the, that's the difference. They're all, I think, very good prospects and second-line guys in the future if they hit. But uh, I think Allison's just a bit closer, and he's impressed me more with his NCAA year last year than um, Ratcliffe has this year in the OHL. Yeah, Dan, um, <clears throat> Isaac Ratcliffe is the guy that you like a lot, and he, along with Morgan Frost, has just been on fire as of late. And I know, you know, Ratcliffe kind of started his season off a little slow. It took him a while to get, you know, get it picked up. But, you know, in recent weeks, he's really started to uh, come into his own and Morgan Frost has just continues to kill it in the OHL. What did he have? Five goals the other night in one game. You know, it seems like every every other night when I'm perusing Twitter, I see a retweet from the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds Twitter account, and it's you know Morgan Frost doing something else that's incredible. Usually, that retweet comes from you. I think that you may be Morgan Frost's biggest fan. I think his dad is you know a couple more DMs away from inviting you to Thanksgiving dinner next year. But, you know, when you look at these guys, and these are two guys that you've been just so high on for so long, you know, what, and I just want to give you a, a, some time here to just kind of gush about the both of them, because I know how much you love them. So, you know, what has you most excited about the prospect of them coming up with the Flyers? Not this season, obviously, but when their time comes, uh, you know, just seeing them in the orange and black, what, what excites you most about having these two players with the Flyers? Well, so um, 
I'm going to talk, talk about Morgan Frost and then um, Alex can talk about Joel Farabee, who I, who I also love. Um, but Frost, and, and I tweeted this out today, and Alex also had a tweet out today about Morgan Frost's point production. And I think Alex's tweet was looking at guys who have averaged all, uh, two points per game in the Canadian juniors or in the OHL. And so what I was looking at was if, if you take a look at all of the junior hockey leagues in North America, it's the OHL, the Quebec League, the Western League, and the USHL. Right now, Morgan Frost is leading all four of those leagues in points per game. He's averaging 1.97 points per game in the OHL. Cody Glass is second with 1.94. Uh, he was a first-round selection of the Vegas Golden Knights. Those are the only two players who are averaging over 1.9 points per game. As a point of comparison, Claude Giroux, when he was a 19-year-old, was averaging 1.93 points. So right now, Morgan Frost is outperforming what Claude Giroux did at the same age. And as you referenced... You know, I've, I've written a bunch of articles on him and I've, I've uh, gotten, you know, at least a little friendly over Twitter with his dad. We'll DM sometimes. The funny thing was I sent him a, a, a message um, about the, the five point game or the five goal game for Morgan Frost. And he's like, really? I'm on a plane. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, yes, your son's got five goals today, which is ridiculous. I mean, he's five goals. He's been on an absolute tear since getting back from the world juniors. And one thing, another thing that his dad had said to me a couple of weeks ago was that he, he thinks from talking to Morgan, that his confidence coming out of the world juniors has gone to an, an all time high and that it's going to translate into something spectacular over the second half of the season. And we've seen that because Morgan Frost has been absolutely unstoppable since the world junior championships and at the World Juniors, he led the whole tournament in points for a game, 1.60. So I think we're seeing a guy who was second in OHL uh, scoring and second in OHL MVP balloting last season as an 18-year-old. He's about to take it up a notch to the next level. And what? And and he's a guy who in – so Alex and Charlie did a great interview with some of the – uh, Flyers development coaches with Scott Gordon, the head coach, and then Shell Samuelson, the development coach. And Charlie asked Shell if he thought that Morgan Frost would need some time in AHL. And Shell Samuelson said, yes, I think he will. Of course, so Shell, I've never seen him say a guy who doesn't need time in the AHL, but uh, it's going to be interesting next year at training camp because this year in training camp, Morgan Frost kind of looked a little tentative. He didn't look that confident. He wasn't great in training camp went back to the Canadian juniors. He looks like he's taken it up another level. If he enters training camp with the confidence that he's playing with now and is able to look a little more uh, confident and comfortable, it's going to be a very difficult decision for the Flyers. Claude Giroux needed about 30, 35 games in the AHL when he was a 20-year-old. So I won't be surprised if, if Frost starts the season in the AHL, but assuredly he'll be up with the team next season. And he's a guy who is going to score tons of points. He's going to score a lot of points on the power play. He's going to score a lot of points shorthanded. He, he's probably the best passer in the entire Canadian junior system, in my opinion. Uh, he, he just makes passes that no one else on the ice even sees develop. He, he, he makes plays and you just wonder where they come from. He's, he's grown leaps and bounds as a goal scorer, as we saw from the five-goal outburst on a Sunday, I believe it was. So he's... You know, the only part of his game that he really needs to improve on is 
making plays with the puck on his stick at full speed. Because right now he still tends to slow down a little bit when he's got the puck on his stick. And in the OHL, that's fine. But in the NHL and even in the AHL, it's not going to cut it. I think he will uh, advance that part of his game, but that's one of the things he has to improve on. But right now, I mean, there's no better player in the Canadian juniors than Morgan Frost. Yeah, playing well. Um, Alex, what do, you, what do you think about Isaac Ratcliffe when you see him play? You know, like I said, started off the season a bit slow, has really come into his own. You have him high on your list, so you obviously like him a lot. So what, what do you see in Isaac Ratcliffe that has you so impressed? I mean, first and foremost, he's just an Im- he has an immense physical skill set. You shouldn't be able to skate as fast as he does at his size and be as agile as he is um, and have those kind of hockey skills as well. He's got a good shot. Um, he does have good hands. And it's, it's an impressive basis to work with. Uh, the things I don't like so much from him is um, he doesn't really use his size that effectively for a very big man. He can be easy to beat on the boards at times and uh, not as good around the net as maybe he should be. And while he is a good skater, he isn't, He's he's difficult to contain, but he's not an elite skater, even though he is very, very good for his size. Um, so I don't really see much more than a good second liner in the future. But, I mean, that's still a damn good prospect. Mm-hmm. So, Alex, let me ask you this as well. You know, just looking at your list here, it's a lot of the um, – a lot of, you know, a lot of names that we've seen, uh, several other lists that you guys have both put out. I know one guy, is, one guy that you both wanted to talk about, and, you know, of course, there's a big um, big difference where you guys have him on your list. Uh, he's new to Dan's list. I don't really have your prior list in front of me, so I'm not sure where he, if he was on here before. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that he was, but uh, Samuel Airsone, um, he was obviously played a great tournament at the World Juniors for Sweden, and Dan has him ninth on his list. Alex, you have him 16th on your list. I know you both are, you know, really coming in, you know, coming to be pretty high on this guy. So what does Sam Airson bring to the table as a Flyers prospect? Well, I mean, I've watched him quite a bit in the Alsvenskan this year, the Swedish second tier of men's professional hockey. I mean, it's a good league. Um, the top teams in that league can compete with SAL teams at the top level, um, even though at the bottom it's sometimes a bit diluted. And he, he, the thing that is so impressive is for a guy who's 19 years old, technically he's so sound and he makes a lot of very difficult saves look very easy simply because he reads the play well, he gets in position, he's uh, straight away, and he rarely lets in bad goals. I mean, his statistics this season in, for, for Vesteros and uh, the Alsvenskan are a very impressive. He's he's close to the all-time league safe percentage record. He's at 0.938, and the record is around 0.942. Um, and he's 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 made a team that, quite frankly, should be battling for relegation, be third in the league. Um, he's I think uh, in 22 games he's played in, he's won 18, and the team have played 16 games without him and lost 11. You know, he's he's in contention for the Alsvenskan MVP at the end of the year. And it's so impressive for a player of that age. Right. So yeah, I what do you like about him? Uh, well, I mean, you know, Alex has seen him play a lot more than I have in his regular league, the Alvenskan. And so the, my introduction to Samuel Airson was the World Junior Championships. And I thought he was I thought he was the best goalie that I watched in that tournament. So 
for a, a guy who was selected in the fifth or sixth round by the Flyers, seeing him play so well uh, was was just great. I mean, it's an organization that hopefully we're not going to have to worry about our starting goaltender for the next 12 years because we're going to have Carter Hart. But the guys that develop, we're going to need a backup. And, and also, if you've got a couple goalies that you can use as trade chips, not, not a bad thing to have. You know, one question I had for Alex, he's much more familiar with, you know, the Swedish leagues and, and another player. You know, one of my favorite prospects has been Felix Sandstrom. And I dropped him off my list just because the, the statistics for Sandstrom have just not been there. And so one of the things, he's just never really put up good numbers or at least above average numbers um, in, the, uh, in the SHL. And so my question was, so Airson is playing his draft plus one season in the Alvin scan, and he's putting up these incredible numbers. He's going to not a 938 save percentage and a 1.81 goals against average. So if we look at Felix Sandstrom, who was actually was named best goaltender in the world juniors, um, his draft season, he played most of his games in the SHL with Brynus. So, so Sandstrom played in a better league than Airstone. In 25 games, he put up a 2.61 goals against average and a 9.04 save percentage. So my question from Alex was I was hoping for some insight from him on how he would compare Sandstrom's draft plus one season in the SHL with Airstone's draft plus one season in the Alvencia. Well, I would say first and foremost that the SAL is – in my opinion, um, the third best league in the world. I think at worst, it could be considered the fourth best league in the world. Um, now, the Alsvenskan is a good second-tier league, and it's probably in contention after the AHL with the VHL for the second-best uh, second-tier league in the world. I think the Alsvenskan is probably less diluted than the VHL of Russia. Um, so it's just um, it's a very good league. And that season that um, Sandstrom graduated from the junior league and came up to play in the SAL, his draft plus one season. Um, he, you know, he was, his safe percentage and the amount of games he played, it just doesn't happen that often. He, right around average league safe percentage. And he was, you know, I think only um, Jakob Markstrom had played more games by the time he was 20 or 21 than uh, Sandstrom did in the SAL. So I think it's a slightly different measure to judge them. Obviously, Ersen is playing very well in the Elsvenskan, but the SAL is a, is a very good league. So, I right mean, now, as... if, if, you, if you had to say that one of those two guys had a better draft plus one season, who would you say? It's difficult. Point? It's difficult. I would probably say Essen, to be honest, simply because he's the Elsvenskan is a more difficult league to say how a player is going to transfer, say, to the SAL and the uh, AHL and the NHL. But you can't deny the guys, you know, on pace for, for, for the potential to win league MVP. Even though it is a worse league than the SAL. Um, Mark, before you ask your next question, there's I, I want to get Alex's insights on one other guy that is actually the, I think the only player that him, Charlie, and I had all in the same spot, which sure. was one of my favorite Flyers defense prospects, and a guy that um, Alex gets to watch more than I do, and uh, and Alex was one of the first guys who kind of turned me on to this guy, and then whenever I watch him play, I'm just so impressed, and that's. Uh, Linus Ogbear, uh, and he's a defenseman that I see as having 
mid pair potential, potentially a three or four in the NHL. He's just so skilled and does everything so well. But but I want to take the opportunity with Alex on the show to kind of tell our listeners about um, Ogbear and why we should be excited about him. You know, well, Linus Ogbear has impressed me since I first watched him after, um, in the in his draft season, first of all. But then after the Flyers drafted him, I really started watching him play properly as opposed to just watching, you know, a game here or a game there and looking at other players as well. And he just has a fantastic core skill set for what the modern NHL is. He's a really fantastic skater in every direction. Great lateral mobility, skates backwards extremely quickly. Um, and he he's also, he thinks the game so well. Uh, he's just a very smart player. He rarely gets beaten. He rarely makes mistakes. I know he made one enormous one at the World Juniors, which was pretty bad luck the other year, but he rarely makes uh, mistakes. And he has a really good outlet pass. Um, he just rarely misses, so he exits the zone cleanly and easily. And this year, he has been, quite frankly, fantastic. Um, for one of the better teams in the SAL, he's uh, put up almost 60% Carsey, one of the best of any regular defensemen. And all year, every time you tune in to watch, he just so rarely makes a poor decision. Now, I don't think he has some really super high-level upside in the NHL, but I really do think, yeah, he could be a fantastic number four defenseman. Um, he's more skilled than probably his point total would indicate as well. The SAL, SAL is a slow, very low-scoring league, really, especially in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, there, you don't really get many players getting above point per game in that league, and he isn't on his team's power play. So, you know, it's, it's very difficult to accrue points. And he started to come around a bit later and get a bit, of, a bit more points, which he really kind of deserved with the way he was playing. Um, but, yeah, I think in the future he, can, he could be a 20-25 point NHL number four defenseman. Alex, I asked um, I asked Dan this question last week on our last episode about his list, and I want to get uh, the same question going to you. So the final spot on your list, number 20, you have Wyatt Kalanuk. And my question is, um, who would be, like, who is the guy that, you had to that you had to choose Kalanuk over. Who would be that twenty first guy that you know it was between Kalanuk and who to make that final uh, spot on the top twenty? It was difficult. I mean, I think it really came down. I, I thought about Noah Cates, but then I had to put him in a slightly lower tier simply because I think Kalanuk has kind of potential to be a number four defenseman. He has some things to work on, but he's dynamic, a really good skater. And um, he's um, very creative offensively as well. Um, he needs to iron out some of his defensive work at times, but I think he has that number four upside. Whereas with Cates, I like his game. He's quite skilled. He's a um, diligent back checker, great on the four check, uh, good defensively. And, but for me, I don't really see him more than a kind of third line winger in the NHL if he develops. And for me, I would then value a potential of a number four defenseman over him. So I think that was the last guy um, cut. And I also uh, thought of Ostimenko. Uh, I really like his skill set. He's very athletic. He's been exceptional in the MHL for the two years prior to this one and had a rough start to the season, but has really turned it around in the last few months. And I think he's um, he has NHL potential. And for a goalie to have NHL potential, he's he's an impressive player. And I think I just had him in my top 20 last year. Um, but he also just about missed the cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's another guy, Ustamenko, that I had in my top 20 going into the season. And he's he'd really been having kind of like average pedestrian numbers in the MHL, which is the Russian Junior Leagues. And so I left him off my list. But since since my list came out, I think he's had like three shutouts and his numbers have, have really improved. So he's a guy that that quite honestly, if, if 
if I'd done this list uh, a couple weeks later, he he might have he might have snuck on there. Right. All right. So we have um, we have some listener questions that we love to do and we will get to. But I just have one um, final question for the both of you. Dan, you could take it first. Alex, you could piggyback off of him. Is is there a guy on this list that probably doesn't get enough um, talk from analysts, fans, whoever? Is there a guy on this list that you feel strongly about and think people should know more about if maybe they don't already? I mean, that's a tough question because we... You know, we spend so much time thinking about all these these players. Um, you know, I just so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about a guy that we didn't talk about in today's show. We both had fourth, Joel Faraby, who's just one of my favorite prospects on the list because I think that almost over and above anybody on this list, he he has almost no weaknesses to his game, and he's. Oh, you know, the winger that the Flyers took 14th overall in the draft this past year. And I've been more and more impressed with him every time that I watch him play. He's arguably the guy that the U.S. national team relied on the most from a forward perspective in the World Juniors. Obviously, Quinn Hughes was the guy on the blue line that that was probably their most relied upon player. But, but Farabee's the guy that was out there in big situations, scored a hat-trick early on. He's just such an exciting player to watch because Flyers fans want a sniper so badly. And I would argue that while a guy like Wade Allison has a really heavy shot, that I think that Joel Farabee has the best shot of any Flyers prospect in the system. The times that I've seen him skate down the wing, snipe top-shelf corner as number of times he's done that this season as a freshman in the NCAA. He's he's on pace to potentially be one of the leading freshman scorers in the entire country. And he's a guy that I think that puts on a little weight in the offseason. And he's probably not going to – he'll probably have another season at Boston. But I think that if Joel Farabee pushed things, I could see him as an NHL player next season. And that was one thing I was interested in, Alex's take, was kind of how long he thought Farabee would take to make it to the NHL. But but he's a guy that that I think – everybody should be exceedingly excited about. Alex, anything to add? Um, well, for me, like I really like Farabib. Before the draft, you know, I had him top 10 in my prospect list and thought it would be kind of the best case scenario if um, the Flyers managed to get him. And the Flyers did manage to get him in the draft. I think he fell a bit from where I think he should have been taken. And, you know, this season he's just been very, very good. At Boston University, they're a team with a lot of talent on that squad, and um, but it also means competition for ice time. And I think there are eleven players they have drafted, several first-round draft picks. And tonight, he's just picked up another two assists to take it to eleven points in his last eight games now. And he he's just continuing to improve in a in a league that's way more difficult to play well in than any of the CHL leagues. Um, it, it, he's really impressed me, and he, he's just got such a good all-round skill set. There are no real holes in his game. Uh, he's above average at very worst at everything. And I think down the line, he can be a guy who's a first line level winger, a guy who's, you know, touching on 70 points. And it, as for NHL, it, it's difficult. I think um, he probably could hold his own in the NHL as soon as next year. But most likely, I imagine he'll go back to college um, for another season. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Dan. Um, every week you put out a very well-worded tweet to get listeners to engage us and ask their questions that they want to hear us answer. Um, I imagine they want to hear you guys answer them more than they want to hear me. That's fine. Um, so let's get those ready. Let's get those going because we love them. We love doing them. A um, lot, uh, lot of activity from what I saw today as I was at work and I came back to about 50 notifications on my Twitter. But that's a good thing. <clears throat> so peruse here. So Dan, if when you have it up, um, yep. I guess you could. Yeah. So the you know the first one that came in, I think, was about a guy who I was going to make a joke about was Connor Bunneman. Who had the uh, the question was from Danielle, one of our loyal loyal listeners, loyal listeners at Danielle underscore N I C C, asking Connor Bunneman isn't on either of your lists. Do you see him as a career AHL guy or a trade piece and the thing to me about connor bunneman is i he he's he has really never gotten much hype at all but you look at his numbers he's been a pretty consistent scorer in the ohl i mean he was he was a guy who in his uh let's see in his draft plus one season he had 52 points in 64 games followed up with 50 points the next season and his his production in the AHL has been much better than I think anyone thought. He's got 12 goals in 31 AHL games. And he's a guy that, you know, when he'd score in the OHL, I was like, oh yeah, there's that bottom man guy. No one really talks about him, but he keeps scoring. Now in the AHL, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh yeah, there's Connor Bonneman. He's uh, one of the leading rookie scorers on the Phantoms, but no one really talks about him. And none of us had him in our top 20 prospect lists, but he just keeps on improving and he, keeps on performing and i think he he was the captain for the kitchener rangers in the ohl his uh his final season there so he's clearly a good leader and he's definitely a guy that i could see becoming a you know a, probably a fourth line player in the nhl alex you answered yeah, this I... question on twitter so i guess now you could uh verbalize it to everybody <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, Bunneman's a solid prospect. Um, I see him having good bottom six NHL potential. Now, I'm not sure he can play center at the NHL level. I think his game is way more suited to winger um, and being given the puck and being around the net as opposed to providing it and uh, playing. I mean, he's a solid defensive uh, forward, but I don't think he's in the same category as kind of a guy like Rupsov or Vorobyov. Um, so I think, you know, one day if he's if he if he continues to develop, I think he could be a solid low end third line winger and um, having guys like that in your prospect pool. He's a big body and uh, with a good shot and solid defensively, I think is uh, important. He's really good depth. Yeah. Well, oh, there goes my phone freezing again, so I can't access. Well, we actually questions. so we I got it. We, we actually answered a few of these on this show. So Bill Burke sent in uh, he's at best star 73. He said, what I love about these lists is that the top three will all be flyers by the end of next season. And he asks ETA Farabee, who is the number four on all of the lists. And I think Alex and I covered that. I think we pretty much agree that the most likely scenario is that Farabee will need one more season of college hockey and then should be able to jump to the NHL for the beginning of the, what would it be, the 21-22 season. Is Alex, is that how you see it? Yeah, I think that's pretty much how I see it. I think most likely he spends one more year at uh, Boston University and then comes to the Flyers and makes the team out of camp. Yep. 
So then the next question was from Frank Viola at FlyerFan16. And we also covered this one. He asked, why do you rank Zamula so high? Clearly directed at me since Alex did not have him high. Let us hear a debate between you and Alex on the huge difference in your ranking. So we talked about that. And just to quickly summarize, I think that Zamula's production as a 18-year-old defenseman is commensurate to a guy who would have been selected in the first or second round. But he has more physical upside, you would say, you could say, than some of those other guys just because he's 6'3". So I just, my mouth starts watering when I think about the the potential that Zamula has as an 18-year-old. Um, this one, I'm going to let Alex answer. This is from No Senior Whitworth at Mr. <laughs> Whitworth. And he says, Misha and the germ, that's um, Misha Vorobiev and German Rupsov, were setting a strong tone as a line duo in the NHL. The nickname Russian Bash Brothers came out at one point. I must have been sleeping when that one came out. Uh, yeah. Would they be more effective kept together at the NHL level, or do their skill, ser- skill sets work with any bottom six NHL line mix? Well, I think for me, I really do think Rupsov. I was high on him in his draft year, and I don't think he's lost any skill. You know, um, He's improved since then. He had a rough year last year, but I think we found out over summer and from the Flyers staff that there were some injuries involved. And the year before that, he'd been third in um, QMJHL scoring for a player under 19, only after um, Vitaly Apramov and um, Nico Hishe, who's obviously a year younger, but and already a very good NHL player. So for me, I think Rupsov has that kind of second line potential, uh, probably on the wing. But I mean, he's also a solid center and played some center in the AHL. Vorobiev for me, um, I think his upside is really a very good third line center. So, you know, maybe they could play together in the NHL, but I think it really depends on if Rupsov can hit his upside and where Vorobiev's going to be. Um, but I do think that as well, that uh, with a scoring winger on another wing of Rupsov and Vorobiev, they could be a fantastic third line in the in the quite immediate future, really, in the next for, year or so. For me, this touches on one of the problems the Flyers are going to have moving forward is that they simply have too many forward in the organization, too many older forwards with big contracts and too many prospects. So I think at some point, and this is one of my pet peeves of Dave Haxtell, and it's quickly becoming one of my pet peeves of Scott Gordon, seeing as how his fourth line center is Phil Veroni, who doesn't belong in the NHL, is that at some point these guys are going to have to decide that they are open to having a talented fourth line that's going to have to be made up of some younger guys. Because to me, the top three centers on this team for the foreseeable future are probably going to be Sean Couturier, um, Nolan Patrick, and Morgan Frost. And it's even more so if you say you're going to keep Giroux at center and you're going to have Giroux, Couturier, Patrick, and then I guess move Frost to a wing. But, you know, when they break into the NHL their first few years, I would like to see Vorobiev as a fourth-line center and German Rupsov as the winger for him because it's the same problem at wing. You've got you know, JVR, uh, you've got Konechny, you've got Lindblom, you've got Voracek. If you're going to move Frost to the wing, you've got Farabee. And I just don't see where that spot is for Rupsov to be a second-line winger. So they're going to have to trade some of these prospects, and I would like to see them have a fourth line that is made up of some of these kids. So that's that's what I see. I'd love to see Barovia develop as a defensively responsible fourth-line center with Germán Rupsov 
on his left. And then at some point, maybe they move up together to the third line. But that's that's kind of how I see that. So the next question was from Noah at N Kaplan 2412. And this was directed towards me. Sandstrom didn't make your top 20. Is he like 21 or so? He'd be close. I mean, he's been one of my favorite prospects over the years for the Flyers. At one point, I had him ranked higher than Carter Hart and took a lot of crap for it. And I was obviously wrong about that one. But I still think he's got the potential. He just, since he had that issue last year with whatever it was, a hiatal hernia or dehydration or whatever it was, he had injury issues, didn't play much last year. And he's he's back playing this year in the SHL, but he's has not been, uh, he's not been great. I mean, his numbers just have not progressed really in that league. So I don't, he's going to have to really have a good second half here to win me over. Uh, Alex, what do you, it sounds like he's going to come over to North America next season. I mean, do you think, how do you see his, his career trajectory going? I mean, um, I think this year he's been a lot better than the numbers would probably say. Um, he's in a, he, he's became in a difficult situation now at his club because one of the guys in contention for SAL goalie of the year um, is the guy in front of him. So it's meant he's not played that much and kind of gone months, um, kind of a few weeks without playing at times. But he's got a point nine zero nine save percentage, uh, which is respectable in the SAL because it's a it's a league where even though it's lower scoring, a lot of the chances are quite high high, um, high um, danger. So usually, you know, the save percentage, the average in any given year is from about point nine oh five to point nine ten. So you know he's doing okay, and he just had one very bad game. And he's been very solid. Uh, he's an immense um, athletic goalie. Um, I've not really seen many players who can cover the bottom of the net better. And uh, I still think he has the potential to be a good NHL goalie down the line. And I do think he will come to North America most likely next year. Uh, he's already signed his entry-level contract. Um, so it would be nice to see him in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I've had him ahead of Hart in the past was because of how incredible he was in the Flyers development camp tournaments. So maybe coming from the, uh, and they play on a really small surface there, they they divide the rink into two halves, and he's been almost unbeatable. Maybe going from the larger surface in Sweden to the North American AHL surface uh, will make a difference. But I, I'm excited to see him in North America. So... The last questions from our buddy Flyer Rob, who has a couple questions here. None of them are really on prospects, but we're still going to answer them for our buddy here. Uh, well, some well, some of them, they're uh, interesting <laughs> questions. So the first one is, why was Weiss sent home, but Laterra is still here? I mean, uh... so my opinion is neither of them should be here. I think that my, this could be totally off base, but I think that the whole Laterra drug cocaine situation has left the flyers not wanting to do anything with him in terms of clearing waivers or uh you know sending him to the ahl because their fear of some kind of lawsuit or something i I could be wrong i just don't see other any other explanation for why this guy is still on the team but he's he scott gordon's playing him so maybe i'm wrong and i i don't know i mean alex what do you what do you make of this whole weiss latera thing I think the difference is, I think the Flyers thought that Dale Weiss might be attractive to some team, whereas I think they don't think Yari Laterra is going to have really any interest. And he's gone at the end of the season. And whereas Weiss has a few more years left on his contract, that would be ideal to clear. And I think they thought that potentially by waving him, someone might pick him up. And I would guess right now, um, he's probably, they're probably trying to figure out a trade, even if it's minimal assets in return. 
Um, simpler from the, you know, skating on his own, et cetera, not traveling with a team, not playing, not being sent to the AHL. And they might consider that now he's passed through waivers, he could be more attractive to a team uh, because a team could, you know, play him in a few games and if he doesn't work, send them, send him down. Um, obviously, the contract is still an issue, uh, but I think they, they might be trying to look to trade him and they just haven't really had an offer yet. That could really be the explanation. Mark, you're a big Dale Weiss fan, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I was, they tried waving him once before this season and he cleared them and he's played worse since then. And he cleared again. It was, it was a surprise to nobody that he was going to clear waivers. Nobody in the league wants this guy. I don't know. Like, like Alex said, they're not going to get anything substantial or anything of, of any kind of like note in a trade for Dale Weiss. I, I would assume that at this point, the only, you know, the person pursuing a trade for Dale Weiss is his agent just out there seeing what he could, you know, muster up. I think the Flyers are probably going to have to pay some of the salary just to get rid of him, just so somebody takes him off their hands. Why is Laterra still here? Who the hell knows? I mean, it's it's not like they need to fill a roster spot because there's guys in the, on the Phantoms that could fill that spot. So I don't know why Laterra is here. I guess maybe the whole drug thing could have something to do with it. I just, I really don't know. I don't know why he's playing. I don't know why he's here. I don't have an answer. And that's a question that is probably best served for the Flyers brass and Scott Gordon as to why he's playing Yuri Laterra. But, you know, Dale Weiss being gone from the team is just a, it's a, it's a feather in my hat this, my hat this season for the Flyers. I could not be happier that he's that he's just not around. Alex, have you ever been invited to any of those uh, infamous Yori Laterra parties out there in Europe? <laughs> well, uh, I have spent some time in Finland, but um, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know if you do get the invite. I'll hop on the first jet. Yeah, I'll <laughs> invite myself to that one. Uh, all right, let's see. Three more questions from Flyers, Rob. What happens to Elliot and Neuwirth when they return? I mean, this is going to be interesting because Carter Hart ain't going anywhere. He's going to be the starting goalie for this Flyers team the rest of the season. I I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys, maybe Neuwirth, doesn't even come back. They just kind of find a way to, I, I don't know, leave the guy on IR. Elliot might be back soon. If, when Elliot comes back, I think he'll be the back up to heart i mean both of their contracts are done at the end of this end of the year i don't think we're going to see either guy back after next season so the bottom line for flyers fans is that those two guys i think are just going to kind of be buried in the lineup or stay on the ir but this is Carter Hart's team the rest of the season i would say um what do you guys think i mean it better be he's playing out of his mind he's been the best goalie the flyers have had all season i mean michael neuwirth even if he comes back and you know, they wave Mike McKenna or whatever. Michael Neuwirth is just, he's another leg stretch away from tearing something going back on the injured list. So there's no sense in bringing him back. And I mean, I don't know what you do. I guess you just leave him on IR. I don't know if they could wave him, what their options are at this point. But there's no way in hell. There would be a massive revolt from the fans if Michael Neuwirth and Brian Elliott came back and... Carter Hart was sent back down to the Phantoms. I think that would push the fans over the edge in ways that we have not seen before because he's played so well. The the team has played, I don't want to say well, but they've played better since he's gotten here and since he's been anchoring down 
the goalie position. So yeah, this you're right. This is Carter Hart's team, and if either one of those guys take his spot on this team, all I have to say for Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers is look out. Yeah, I mean he's won the starters job. I was kind of a bit reluctant when they brought him up. So I was slightly concerned because he'd been okay in the AHL and had a really good couple of weeks. But at the start of the season, he just didn't put, like put, uh, look quite himself. So I thought he might need a bit more time. But he's he surprised me and been very good in the NHL. Um, if it was up to me, I think when they're healthy, I, I would probably play Elliot as the backup for the rest of the season. He played fine this year and he was solid enough last year. I think he's a he's still a good NHL goalie. But uh, Nyberth, yeah. Um, I don't really think he should probably play another game for the Flyers. Um, he's a very physically talented goalie. He's had success in the past. But over the last two and a half seasons, he has the worst numbers of any goalie, I believe, in the NHL. He's played more than kind of 40, 50 games. He's right around like 0. 0.890 save percentage, which is just not possible to sustain in the NHL and keep your job in the NHL. So I think uh, when he comes back, I just don't really think he has a spot. And I think he's really the odd man out. I think with McKenna... He'll probably simply be waived. And with Neuverth, you know, maybe the Flyers hope that near the deadline, a team is really, really low on goalies or has an injury and someone will give a late pick for him. But otherwise, I could well imagine him just, yeah, seeing out the season um, and then not being retained, obviously. The final question here, which is an interesting one, is Flyers Rob asks, could Carter Hart entice higher coach Quenville? So he's asking if he thinks that Joel Quenville may be sitting out there watching the Flyers the rest of the season, deciding if he's going to take over the head coaching position and um, maybe he could be enticed by Carter Hart. Absolutely. I mean, if, 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 if Joel Quenville hasn't made up his mind yet, either way, if he wants to coach the Flyers, anything that happens the rest of the season could potentially sway him. And seeing a potential 20-year-old franchise goalie for this organization, I think can do nothing but help the team's chances to lure... Joel Quenville as the head coach this offseason. Yeah, I mean, look, the Flyers are an enticing, they're an enticing team already to a new head coach. I don't think Scott Gordon's going to be the guy long term, especially not with a guy like Joel Quenville out there. They have young talent. They have veteran talent. This is a this is a team that the right coach like Joel Quenville could do a lot with. And if you have a a very good cornerstone young goalie, absolutely, it's incentive for him to want to coach here and coach that guy because look he's done tremendous things in his career he won a stanley cup with uh anti niemi who carter hart is better than so yeah i mean you give this guy the talent that this team has with that goaltender hell yeah it's 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 enticing for him to come here i think what's interesting is to draw a comparable to when he took over chicago in 2008-9 as well I know he wasn't the Joel Quenville that he is now. He didn't have those cups under his belt back then with Chicago. But that was also a very young team, one of the youngest teams in the NHL. And it's easy to forget that he brought through quite a few of the young players. You know, he took Nicholas Yalmerson from playing in the AHL towards the end of the season to being on a first pairing and being a vital part of them winning the cup the next year um, in 2010. So I think it's, you know, uh, the Flyers do have a very young team with a lot of talent. I think it would be appealing for you know multiple coaches um it, it i don't think really that how the season ends has much of an impact on that so long as he would see the potential yeah so that was it then that was the questions that's it we've answered all our viewer mail <coughs> awesome hopefully i can unfreeze my phone this is what apple does once you're due for an update it slows your phone down screws everything up so 
you know, thanks, Steve Jobs. But that's that's my own problem to deal with. Um, Alex, want to thank you as you know, again, for coming on with us. This is the second time we've had you. You were just as impressive this time as you were last time. So with people out there want to read your work, where could they find it? How do they follow you on Twitter? What's all the details on you? Okay, well, if people want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at AV Appleyard. Um, generally posting quite a few statistics, my ideas on the games I've been seeing, some flyer stuff as well, but there's quite a lot of prospects uh, working there. And then um, I write for The Athletic. So uh, if you've not heard of The Athletic yet, uh, it's a subscription-based kind of online magazine covering um, all of the four major American sports and more sports all up and down the country. Um, for the Flyers section, uh, there's regular um, articles by myself on Pro. Huh. We lost uh, Alex there for a moment, but he, he may come back. He's, uh, I think that connection overseas going in and out let me just say for for those that don't have an athletic subscription it costs four bucks a month which is the price of like one coffee and it's worth it alone just for the articles that charlie o'connor and alex appleyard write about the flyers but in addition to that you're getting unbelievable content from other nhl writers nfl writers mlb writers I'm telling you, a subscription to The Athletic is the biggest no-brainer out there. I got, my, I got my subscription because of the last time Alex came on, I had to get it to read his list, and I've had it ever since, and I can vouch. Yeah, it's, it's great, and it's not just hockey. It's all sports, and it's just tremendous. They really blew up because it, it, it's with, like, in the last six months that The Athletic has really come on and blown and blown up and now you see every a lot of other places are doing you know paid subscriptions to their sites and everything so whatever the athletics do and it's working and dan's right it's absolutely worth the four dollars a month the cup of coffee a month uh to get really good sports content not just hockey but everything dan your favorite part of the show is finally here what is your shameless plug so folks can follow me on twitter at dsilver88 and you can read my prospect articles and some other articles of mine at www.phillyisflyer.com. I just released my updated Flyers top 20 prospect list. It checks in at 10,000 words, and it's got 50 videos and uh, can keep you occupied for the whole day if you'd like. So go check that out over at phillyisflyer.com. And as for me, you could follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman 2 ends. You can follow the show at underscore getting bullied. Listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And you can also read uh, my articles. My latest article is up um, on Philly's Flyer, on Weiss's eventual departure. And of course, my, an article that I had a lot of fun writing is entitled Philly Loves Claude Giroux. So that title pretty much tells you everything you need to know about that. And I'm having another one come up tomorrow on what to watch for for the second half of the season with the Flyers. So there's a lot of content, not only from us here at Getting Bullied, but also from everybody at Philly is Flyer. So make sure you tune into us. Keep it locked to Philly is Flyer for everything. And... Dan, I guess we'll do this, I don't know, next week there's nothing to talk about, so we'll see. Uh, keep locked to our Twitter's account as well, and you can see what's going on with future episodes. But until that time, everybody, enjoy your life, and let's go Flyers. <laughs>